Well, I wondered how I would start this, but the Holy Spirit moves in amazing and wonderful ways. As a matter of fact, what Angie shared earlier was a testimony. And we have been talking about testimony and what it means to the church, how important it is. And I believe that the early church, that's how it was conducted in many ways, was that the disciples, the apostles, those affected by and infected by Jesus Christ shared their story, shared their testimony. That's what a testimony is, is your story. And every one of us has a testimony. We all have a story to share. And in that discussion that we had, I was elected to do my testimony first. It's going to be a little bit different today, so I just ask that you would open your heart to receive what the Lord has to say to you about your own story. So, every story has a beginning, and mine began in the back seat of a car. <laughs> Where I was born. Um, in 1954, November, um, I guess I was in a hurry. My folks were working on a ranch down in the Wisdom area, the Schoenenberger Ranch, and uh, I'm not even sure, I think my mom said that she didn't even know she was pregnant until, by golly, here I was coming. Um, and so they got into the car and they were racing to Butte and they never made it. I've been cold ever since. Born in November down in the big hole country, it's cold down there. As a matter of fact, that year it was 70 degrees below zero on Rogers Pass. Um, and being born in a car, <laughs> it was the harbinger of my future. I have been on the road almost ever since. My first memories, um, we lived in the yellow house. These, these pictures you see, they're not the actual car, that's not the actual house, but there's no pictures that I have. Well, I do have a picture of the yellow house, it's blue now, hanging on my office wall. Cows live in it now. Um, but my first memory was from the yellow house, and that's located, if you go up Highway 434 along Wolf Creek, you cross 200, and just a little ways down there on the left, past Stearns Hall, and you take that first gravel road toward the McDonough Ranch, um, that's where the yellow house was. Like I said, it's blue now if you want to go take a look. Um, and there's other memories of where I lived even before I was in school. Um, I don't know what it was. My family just, they liked to move, I guess. So before I was even in the first grade, you know, we lived in the yellow house, we lived in the chocolate house, we lived in the Browns house, we lived in the Barnes place, we lived in a tent up Wolf Creek. Um, so I moved a lot. And for me, my childhood was bright. I didn't know any different. I didn't know that there was evil in the world. I had no idea. I wasn't even aware of the need for innocence because... I lived in innocence, or maybe ignorance, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't realize what was going on. I did not see that part of my childhood as bad. I didn't know. 
But my mom had Kenny and David, my older brothers, their twins, born on November 6th, six days before I was born. Um, and she almost died with them as well. Um, and then they moved to different places, but they ended up in Wolf Creek. And I think the pressure for my dad was too much. Having a wife who wasn't quite well at that time, having three boys, two twins, and me. I don't, like I said, I don't think that my father could stand the pressure. And that's when life started getting bad. He started turning to alcohol. Um, and he was not a happy drunk. He was a very angry, angry drunk. And um, then I was aware of evil. Then I was aware of the need for God. Matter of fact, I became so afraid of my father that um, fortunately we lived on the ranch where my granny lived. And she made sure that us boys went to Sunday school there in Wolf Creek. Believe it or not, Sunday school was in, or Sunday school was in a school back then. Mr. and Mrs. Garner were the principal and teachers at Wolf Creek Elementary School. And they had Sunday school. I remember the flannel graphs. You all remember flannel graphs? <laughs> and I remember... Meeting a different kind of father, a good father, a father filled with love, a father who cared, a father who was there. So at five years old, I, I guess I was pretty smart even at five, but I traded my earthly father for my heavenly father. That's when I became a Christian. I needed a new life. I needed those sunny days of childhood back again. I didn't want the way life was. I didn't want the abuse. I didn't want that. And my father was not nice. He would get us out of bed two or three in the morning. And we would stand for hours in our underwear at attention while he shoved his finger into our chest, told us how miserable, how pathetic, how undeserving how we were. That wasn't the worst of it. Well, maybe it was. It was like an iron spike driven into our heart and our soul every time. There were times he tried to kill us. I remember mom coming into our room. Hurry up. Be quiet. Get out of the house. Come with me now. She took us down along the creek into the willows. 
to hide. Weren't really sure what was going on, but we knew it wasn't good. And then we heard a shot, a rifle shot, a blast in the night. Dad had threatened to kill himself many, many, many times. So mom sneaked back to the house because she knew guile, deceit. She creeped through the woods up to the irrigation ditch behind the house and snuck up around, and there was Dad hiding in the shadows with a rifle, waiting for us, thinking that we would think that he'd shot himself and we'd come back, and he'd get us. She sneaked back to us, told us to follow her. We did without word. And again, she rescued us so many times, so many moves in our lives. Scary times with Dad, but we moved so many times. We lived in, oh my gosh, uh, 80 different moves before I graduated high school. 101 different addresses that I counted. These included tents and cars, strangers' homes, foster homes, just all over the place. We were abandoned three times that I remember now. Abandoned down in San Diego, abandoned in Bynum, and abandoned, I think it was in Hawaii. No, not Hawaii. Somewhere else. So many places I can't even remember. Maybe you'll know some of the names if I give them to you. It would take up a lot of time to list all those places. But we lived in different states. We lived in Montana, Idaho, Washington, Nevada, California. Lots of places. Always on the move. And it was worse after mom and dad divorced when I was in the second grade. I don't know what it was. <laughs> they were always moving. We, we couldn't expect to be anywhere for very long. Mom divorced four times. Dad married and divorced five times. Numerous girlfriends traveling all over the place. Instability, unpredictability, no consistency, no safety. I don't know how we survived. Sadly, my brothers did not survive. They didn't survive that kind of life. And it's a miracle that I did. It is a miracle, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, I think because I had accepted Christ and sought God when I was so young, that he actually prepared me for what was coming, for the worst. There was abuse of every kind. I'm not going to go into the details, but we have five realms, right? Physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual. We were abused in every realm. Kenny and David and my brother Larry, three years younger than me, didn't make it. 
I was the only one who graduated high school. I was the only one who had steady employment. I was the only one who had intact family. I was the only one who escaped mental illness, who escaped despair, who escaped suicide attempts, who escaped drugs, alcohol. Why? What made, you, what made you different? How come you survived and your brothers didn't? I'm always getting the question, what made you different? My easy answer has always been God. God brought me through. Those hymns, the, those psalms, and that song, Psalm 121, that you saw initially, God placed into my heart psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and verses from the Bible. They carried me through. They saved me from the inside out. They protected me. So with that kind of a life, you can imagine, I worked for Intermountain. Now, we were there as kids. 1965, 1966, my brothers and I were at Intermountain here in Helena. It was an orphanage then. Oh yeah, that's where we were abandoned. Oh yeah, in the foster home in Augusta. Oh yeah, that's four. Um, Intermountain was great. For me, I loved Intermountain. I got to see Elmer and Shirley be parents, and I got to see what parents are supposed to be like, loving their children, loving us boys that were on their floor. Older boys were upstairs, younger boys were on the floor I was in, and all the girls were down below in the basement. That was in the old Mills Hall. Boy, was I angry when they tore that down. Now, you tore down the one home I had. But anyway, what made you different, I'm asked. God. It's interesting, though, how God works. We were there as boys, young boys, in Intermountain. And many of you know, I went back there as a counselor in 2000. As a counselor, working with kids who had the same kind of life we did. God had placed into my life and my heart all that stuff so that I could actually look into a child's eyes and go, I get it. I understand. And that's where healing takes place. It's not in all the techniques and all the tools. It takes place in heart to heart, soul to soul. That's where healing takes place. I could have fallen into bitterness and hate. I could have fallen into drugs and alcohol. I could have, but I didn't. I could have stayed angry with Dad, bitter and angry like Larry, escaping into fantasy like Kenny, going into radicalism like David. I could have, but God spared me. Should I have hated Dad? No! God is not a God of hate. He's a God of love. I could not hate my dad and follow God, no matter what happened. 
even though the realization came later in my years that God had actually trafficked me. That was a shock. The realization that my father had actually trafficked me for money. And God is a miracle worker. He truly is. I had carried in my heart throughout my life, actually, the desire to have reconciliation with my father, to not hate him, to not let that power control me or lead me. <laughs> and God worked it out. My father wasn't interested so much, but my heavenly father was. And so he arranged it. In 1994, I believe it was February, right? February? No, 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 when Dad came to stay. February, I think it was February. Dad had been living in a, in a little camp trailer outside of Kuski, Idaho, along the river. Still homeless and moving around. Um, but he had um, fallen over into the fire with uh, hematoma, aneurysm in the brain. Twice. The first time he went to Lewiston, was there for a while, and then went back. It happened again, and this time they had to airlift him to Spokane, and then they ambulanced him, I think, to Seattle. Carrie and I were living in Bremerton, which is across the sound from Seattle, and Dad had to go to the veterans' hospital because he was a veteran, an angry veteran. He said they put the anger in, but they never took it out. Well, that was true. But he was receiving treatment in the veterans hospital in Seattle. He needed a place to stay. There was a great opportunity. Carrie and I welcomed him into our home. We made a place for him as best we could with the house we had. And I took care of him for about six months. Helped him learn to walk. Helped him heal so he could finally get around. He could walk up the stairs. He finally got enough he could walk to the bar. You would think that maybe that would turn his life around, but no. He said one day, he said, I met a friend at the bar. He's offered me a place to park my camp trailer so I could stay there. Would you be able to go and get that camp trailer and bring it back to me? Well, okay. So I asked Bill Stewart, who was a, a mentoring friend of mine. He was 71 at the time from our church. He and I went in his Dodge Ram pickup back to get that trailer. Um, and on the way back, August 7th, 1994, I was in a wreck. That was the head-on collision. That was where Satan tried to kill me. Well, again. <laughs> I managed to survive. And I'm going to go back to hero again. Hero is what I came up with. What made you different? Well, I had heroes. I sought them. I had a voice. I could get it out. I had refuge. I could escape. And I also had a heart for love. I needed that when I was in the wreck. 
I needed God's strength in me when I was in that wreck because I should have been dead. Will you show that picture of the wrecks again? I was the passenger in that truck. A couple of those pictures up there, it looks like it's the back of the truck, but it's really the front of the truck. How I lived, I don't know. The two kids that hit us, they were 19 and 21, were killed instantly. Their car became a part of the grill of the truck. I managed to live. And like I said, God works things out, even through all the hard things, like cancer. He works things out. Dad had to take care of me for a little while. So there was some reconciliation there. I had forgiven him long ago. Even though I know he hated me, he didn't like me. I was trying to figure that out too. I think it's because he saw the good in me that he couldn't find in himself. That's what I think. So I got to take care of him for six months and let him know that I didn't hate him and that I still loved him and wanted to have a life or a relationship with him. He took care of me for, let's see, August, September, the middle of October, so two and a half months. October 15th, 1994, he left. When I could transfer from my wheelchair or from the bed to the wheelchair and back and forth. He said, oh, that's good enough. I realized this morning during devotions that this is October 15th, 28 years later. Dad died this day. God works things out because he had the, another accident. I don't really believe it was an accident. I believe he was murdered, unsolved. He again was taken to Lewiston, Idaho, and I got a call that he'd arrived there. Carrie and I did everything we could, and we got there October 12th. And we were told that he's brain dead. He's not really here. So for three days, I spoke to him. I prayed for him. I preached the gospel to him. And on the third day, I had to be the one to pull the plug on my dad. I could not have done that with any peace had God not allowed me that reconciliation. I could not have pulled that plug if I had any doubt of my reasoning. No guilt, no unforgiveness, no bitterness. Praise you, Lord God, for allowing me that peace. I choose love. That's God's work. That's His grace and His mercy. 
this is part of my testimony. This is part of my story. There's a whole lot more. When I get done with the book, you can buy it. <laughs> From that wreck, not only did I gain peace and relief from the relationship with my father. But had I died, Carrie would have been alone with no children and no husband. From that wreck, had I died, my boys, Adam and Zachary, would have gone back to their mother, which is another story. And Carrie would have been alone. So, I went back and had a reversal of my vasectomy. And we got Bethany and Jacob. And I could not do the work that I had done. I was a warehouseman. I drove fork truck. I ran the steel yard, the lumber yard, the gas cylinders, a hazmat facility. I did it all at the same time. I loved my job. But I was so broken, I couldn't do the physical work anymore. I had to go to school. <laughs> now what, Lord? Carrie was a preschool teacher for... I think it was a daycare, and then you worked for Head No, you worked for Head Start at that time, preschool teacher for Head Start. And I would volunteer every now and then, and then I decided that um, I think I'll go to school toward becoming a pastor. Because when I was eight or nine, I knew that God was calling me, and I thought it was to be a pastor. So I went to school. I got my AAS in early childhood education because I could get that at the community college. And then I went to work for Head Start, working with kids who had tough lives like me. And while I was working for Head Start, I went to Puget Sound Christian College and I got my bachelor's degree in Bible and leadership and ministry because I was going to be a pastor. I loved it. It was hard work, though. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I had to Tuesday and Thursday, I had to drive up to the Kingston Ferry <laughs> to get, take it across to Edmonds and go to school, and then I had homework. But I loved it. And then, because I was graduating with my bachelor's degree in 2000, Intermountain wanted to hire me because they required a bachelor's degree. God works things out; it's amazing. So I went there as a counselor, worked with kids like me. And while I was there, eight years into working with Intermountain, God called me again. And he said, I want you to go to school. Get your master's. And I'm like, okay. What am I going for? Am I going for a ministry degree? Divinity and ministry degree? Or am I going to go for a counseling degree? Because I always had a feeling that I would be a pastor and or a counselor. Because with my history and my life, you would not believe the people that would come up to me and just tell me their life story. I would say hello, and they just lay it out for me. <laughs> I guess it's because 
they could see the love that God had put in me for everybody. Because when you have God in you, you can't help but love. So anyway, I prayed about it for a couple weeks. Lord, what do you want me to do? Am I going to be, you know, a pastor, go for my ministry degree, or am I going to be a counselor? Two weeks later, after prayer, he said, Michael, what have you always been? Counselor. So I got my master's degree in professional counseling from Liberty University in Virginia. And now, after still working for Intermountain for a while, I, st I started my private practice in 2015. And God is so good because now I'm not only a counselor, I'm a pastor too. My office is as much a seminary and a church as it is a counseling office. The people that come to me come to me because I'm a Christian. They come to me because they know, because it's very clear in my informed consent, who I am, where I come from, what my mindset is. I work with pastors. I work with couples. And most of it's because they want someone who knows Christ. They want a Christian. And when you come to me, that's what you're going to get. No apology. So God works things out for good. Romans 8.28 has been my guiding verse my whole life. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And what's His purpose? God's purpose is love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor and love yourself. The three-facet love. The number three again, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Hmm. Isn't he amazing? So I guess the message that I have for you today is you all have a story. You all have a testimony. And every one of you, you're beautiful. You're loved. And I'm hoping that as we go along, and you were invited to share your story that you would, because that's how it was in the early church. Let's get to know each other. Let's share this wonderful life that we have in Christ. And let's be so overjoyed with God at what he's brought us through. You've all been through things. I know it. But let's tell the story of God in our lives. That's testimony. So, I'm giving you an invitation if ever you would like to share that testimony from here with support, a whole long message like I did or a short little segment, I'm thinking I want every elder and every leader in this church to do that. I think it's important for the congregation to know who your leaders are, where they came from, and what they've gone through, and what the victory is, and why they're here. Hmm? I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> anyway, Will you pray with me? Father, I'm so often overcome. It's just how much you love us. You love us so much, Lord, that you gave your only son for us to die. You sent him to die for us, Lord, that we could live. You've covered our sins. You've covered our failures. 
and you ask only one thing, that we would accept your son, that we would repent from our sins, and that we would look to you to heal us, to bring us through, to call us into service for you. I pray, Father, that you would anoint each head and heart here with your love, and that you would reveal to each person here, Lord, that deep, deep love that you have for them. I pray, Father, that you would bless this church, this body, Lord, and that you would continue to work in us and through us, Lord, that we would be a light, that we would be a hub of love, Lord, for this community of Helena. And I know that you desire to use each one of us individually and corporately, Lord, for your service, for the gospel, and for the love that you have for all people, and for the desire, Lord, that all would come to you. Lord, anoint us with that desire, that same desire. Help us to be lovers of each other, lovers of you and lovers of ourselves. Lord, let love be our guiding light. And thank you for each story that you have here. And I pray, Father, that you would reveal to each one here, Lord, just how much they are loved by you. I thank you for this body, this church, this place, and this time. Help us all to hang on to the verse, Lord, of your promise. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.